0: Friends, welcome back to the Ransomed Heart podcast. John Eldridge and Craig McConnell celebrating with you, observing with you, the second week of Advent. Yesterday was the second Sunday in Advent, in case you missed that. And we are enjoying being disrupted by the intrusion of this season, not the distracting intrusion of got to get it done, Christmas chores and all of that, but enjoying the disruption of the larger story again into our lives in a season that invites us to remember it, participate in it. Let me open this week with a passage on the Christmas story, not from Luke, not from the Gospels, not from the Old Testament, actually a comment that Paul makes in Galatians, He says this, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. So much in that passage, of course. My goodness, so much goodness. But the thing I want to point out is that interesting phrase, when the time had fully come. Like, wow. What did God know about that moment in human history all that had gone on before it, all that was going to come after it. You know, why that timing? Hmm. And when you begin to unpack this a little bit, why that village? And Mm -hmm. why that girl? Mm -hmm. And wait a second, why even this whole approach? Like, Mm -hmm. One of the things Advent is really doing for me this year in a disruptively wonderful way is it's causing me to think again about the way that God goes about things. I mean, if you were planning the rescue of mankind, is this how you would have done it?
1: More fireworks in my book. Just <laughs> It would be pretty dramatic and much shorter period of time.
0: Exactly. Far more. Get this thing done. By Genesis 4, I'd have the whole thing wrapped up. <laughs> Whoa. Like even to hear you say that, I'm just embarrassed about like, I don't like this story. Uh-huh. I mean, I love the story. Stay with me. I don't like this story. Like it's so counterintuitive and wait, you're going to do – you're going to pursue the hearts of your people through the prophets. But they're not really going to turn back and you're going to take this totally different approach now. You're not going to use force. You're not going to send your angel armies. You're not going to use your power. Mm -hmm. You're going to come – As a human being, I mean, by this point in the story, gang, Israel is nobody. Mm -hmm. I mean, Israel had its glory days, you know, particularly in the reign of David. It had its golden time. That is centuries ago. Yeah. And by the time Jesus of Nazareth shows up, by the time this child is born, Israel is an occupied country that is considered nothing. You know, in modern terms, they're not just like a third world nation or a developing nation. They are completely occupied and dismissed territory under, you know, the fragmented former Roman Empire. And they have no power. They have no influence in the world. They've lost their language. They don't even speak Hebrew anymore. Mm -hmm. As a people group, they've almost completely lost their identity. And you're going, wait a second. Like, why now? Why that moment? This is a weird story. Mm -hmm. I agree,
1: John. I mean, from Genesis 3, you know, immediately God says, from woman will come one who crushes the head of the serpent. And then as you stated through covenants and prophets and promises, and there's this much-anticipated king, servant, deliverer, and as you used to say, you read the Old Testament prophets, it's like being in the thin-walled motel room, and you hear two lovers arguing back and forth, and It almost feels like the Old Testament ends with God pissed at his people for their sacrifices that are meaningless, and yet he's promising to return, and then 400 years of silence, and then it's this mysterious virgin birth and incarnation that takes place, and it's a story that is full of mystery in terms of its timing, its characters, and it's the truest
0: most beautiful story ever. And then, okay, so Christ comes. The savior of the world is born to, you know, this young girl, barely a young woman and she's betrothed but not married yet. Mm-hmm. And Oh my goodness! In some backwater village, in some absolutely backwater country at that time, and then these wise men come from the east, these Zoroastrians, and then Herod freaks out, and Herod orders this execution of every young boy around Bethlehem and that part. But right before that happens, you know, an angel comes to Joseph in the night and says, "Got to get up! You got to get out of the country." You got to flee to Egypt, take the mother and child now, tonight. They flee under cover of darkness. And, like, friends, is this how you would save the world? Yeah. What I'm trying to point out is, among other things that Advent can do for us, I think it is a really, really, really healthy reminder of how God goes about things. Because I think your average Christian nowadays has a pretty simple understanding. I am a Christian. I'm saved. I'm loved by God to some degree. I might be a disappointment to him, but I'm in. And God is all powerful. God is all powerful. Reminded that every Sunday in church and worship and the songs that we sing and the scriptures, you know, God is in control. And so when he decides to intervene, he's just gonna do it, you know, and he's just gonna fix my marriage. He's just going to fix my health. You know, but is that how God goes about things typically? I mean, you look at the Christmas story. Is it just intervene? That's it. I'm going to take care of things. I'm going to crush the serpent's head. I'm going to set the captives free. Bam.
1: Yes, that's how he does it. And yet how he does it looks so different. Like even the Christmas story, we tend to compress the timeline and don't realize that Christ is born, and then it's over the course of weeks, months, and even years that the shepherds, the angels, announce his birth, that Jesus is presented to the temple, and that the magi come. I mean, we can press Christmas and think of this all happening one evening, starry night, and it's actually months and years. So – you know, we want God to work. I want God to work in a compressed, dramatic point in time. And even the Christmas story is kind of covers more time than we want to think. It's right. it feels slow and developing well, in and some ways.
0: Though the baby is here, and then it's going to be thirty some years yes. before the cross. Yes, right. Yeah, you know. And then after the cross, it's going to be two thousand years Mm -hmm. are going to unfold of God's unique way of working in the world. And I think we're just trying to invite you friends to consider in a fresh way some of the assumptions you hold about how God gets things done and how, oh, just we have this assumption. I'm a Christian, I'm a son, or I'm a daughter of God, and to some degree I believe in His love for me, and He's all powerful. So, bam, you know, it's going to be bam. And (laughs) I was having a little tension with a friend of mine over some of the Old Testament stories, and they love the story. I think it's in Jehoshaphat where He sends the worshipers out in front of the army. You know, Israel's about to be attacked, and it looks like it's going to be you know terrible defeat god says send the worshipers out first so they send the worshipers out which looks like you're just sending these musicians to a massacre right but god uses that to defeat you know the enemy and people love to grab that story and go oh that's it that's the secret we just worship and we don't need to war and you know you understand that actually never happens again like that doesn't become Israel's new way of operating. Right. you know you have gideon with the torches and the breaking of the clay pots and again, it's just a bizarre story like God, this is how you're gonna vanquish your enemies with a bunch of guys who have torches and clay pots and it works magnificently, and you understand they never do that again. yes, right and so you have like the Old Testament it's not like revealing to us kind of these secrets of, oh, you know, if you want to buy a house, just march around the property seven times and like claim it, you know, and that kind of thing. It's showing you stay close. yes, Stay close to this wild, wonderful, loving, yes, powerful God. Stay close because how he's working in this situation may not be what you think, Mm -hmm. expect. And I even love that that beautiful story of John the Baptist, you know? I mean, if anybody should have understood the larger story, the cousin of Jesus, incredibly holy, godly man, Jesus called him the greatest prophet of all time, and he gets arrested. And after a little bit of time, he sends his disciples to Jesus to say, wait, are you the one or should we look for someone else? And you hear the pain. But you also hear something really beautiful in that of like, this isn't the way I thought this was going to unfold. I think that's true of our holiness. Mm -hmm. I think that's true of our healing. I think it's true of our marriages or friendships, church experiences. I think it's true of our life story. Couldn't you say that of your life story? Yes. This isn't how I thought this was going to unfold. That doesn't mean God is not imminently present. Working every day. Look at Christmas. Look at the wildness of, wait, impoverished couple, not even married, backwater town. And these mysterious guys show up and, wait, what? You know, the angels appear, but they actually don't appear to a lot of people. They just appear to a handful of shepherds and that's it? Like, you're going to blow the angelic appearance on these guys? (laughs) You know, it is so odd. Yeah. It is an incredibly odd way to get this done.
1: Yeah. And the beautiful thing is it gets done. I mean, everything God has promised, everything God spoke of gets accomplished, but he does it in a way that's disruptive, unexpected, unanticipated. Right. But it is finished.
0: He gets it done. Right, right. Which, friends... Advent can be this beautiful invitation to rethink your understanding of how God gets things done in mm-hmm. the world. I mean that can be incredibly redemptive, for example, why doesn't he use force more often? Mm-hmm. And the answer is because force doesn't change the human heart yeah, it doesn't. You know what's so sad is if miracles change the human heart. I mean, the revival in Jesus' day would have been 100%. They saw the most staggering things ever. And quickly, you're not even into seven chapters of the Gospel of John, and already some of the disciples are leaving. They're leaving! Power doesn't change the human heart. And so it begins to open up for us, I think, a new intimacy with God of, you don't work in the way that I think you will, but that doesn't mean you're not working. I want to use this opportunity to walk more closely with you. So if you're telling me to break a clay pot, I'll do it. And if you're telling me to march around the city seven times, blow trumpets, I'll do it. You know, the goal is not the pots, the trumpets. The goal is I need to stay close with you because you aren't a god of just obvious systems and power and wham, bam, get it done. You have a beautiful, brilliant, I want to say, cunning, absolutely, effective, 100% way of operating that frankly isn't quite in line with my assumptions.
1: Yeah. And the craziness of the holiday can keep us from slowing down and with eyes and with ears that are tuned in to see what he's uniquely doing this Christmas and that may surpass and be different from previous ones in our life, right?
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. So as we celebrate Advent, Jesus, come, come and show us how you work. Show us how you work in the world. Mm -hmm. Show us how you are working in our lives. Mm -hmm. Pray that you would expose some of my anger, to be honest, and some of my assumptions about how you're going to show up or work, realign me to you. Draw me closer to you and how you go about doing things. We welcome Advent and its reorientation of our perspective of you. In Jesus' name. Happy second week of Advent, friends. We look forward to being with you next week as we continue our Advent observances.